Welcome one and all to episode two of Wrestling is Ridiculous. Thank you so much for everyone who's taken time to listen to my episode with Mark Adams, for all the feedback and comments. Really, really appreciate it, guys. Honestly, thank you so, so much. Fully enjoyed that chat with Mark. And I've got another great chat for you today. Oh, and before I forget, I put the question out about myself and Mark were trying to rack our brains as to whether or not there'd been a wrestling fireman. And there had, thank you to the few of you that reached out, Firebreaker Chip in WCW, who teamed with Todd Champion as part of the Patriots. Apparently Todd Champion was someone who just returned from Operation Desert Storm, so that kind of gives you the time period that we're looking at here, kind of 91, 92. So, Firebreaker Chip, thank you everyone. So, on to my guest this week. None other than one of the promoters, owners, operators of Kumite Combat Wrestling, a man of many names, but we simply and lovingly know him as Fletch. Now, I know Deathmatch isn't for everyone, I'll be completely honest with you, it wasn't my cup of tea. Basically, I've known Fletch quite a while, I wouldn't want to put a time limit on it, but basically myself and the other owner and operator of Kumite, Malachi J. Matthews, used to work together in our shoot jobs, and Fletch would come into the shop regularly. The rest Fletch gets into in the chat, and basically when they started up Kumite, they asked me if I wanted to be the referee, and of course I was scared shitless. <laughs> yeah, because my idea of Deathmatch was very clouded by CZW, and like the at the time GCW were kind of more Deathmatch orientated and things like that, and I was very clouded by that, and I think it really kind of put the fear of God into me that I wasn't really sure what was kind of on these shores as far as what deathmatch was and but you know what i was like these guys trust me to do it so let's give it a damn good go if it doesn't if if i'm not comfortable if i don't like it then i can always back out at a later time whatever as soon as that first show was done i had no doubt that i was happy and this was what i wanted to do uh, we don't get too much into kind of my side of things with with kumite it is about the guest and uh so yeah i will let fletch tell his story and i will see you on the other side so fletch how are you super duper mate i'm done i'm done i'm not at work again till wednesday hey living the dream so <laughs> So, what brew you got on the go there? Oh, well, this is a Crushing Blows from Neon Raptor. Oh, lovely. Mm -hmm. Very very Street Fighter-esque looking can. I am a craft beer wanker. I'm proud. (laughs) (laughs) So, what is then the most ridiculous thing you've seen in the past, like, week or month in wrestling? Considering you're a purveyor of the ridiculous. Tell you what, I tell you what, it's got to be... The last show we did. Okay, so we've we've kind of built up a bit of a reputation at the Kumite Combat Wrestling, haven't we? Mm. Where there's like a week of shite weather all week, and then show day comes around, and we have an outside show, and then suddenly the sun comes out, and it's amazing, right? And then this time, so not last Sunday, the Sunday before, yeah. um, what was it? It was terrible, terrible weather, absolutely caning it down all week, and we get to the show, and I'm absolutely cacking myself because here we are, open air show, and it's going to rain. We start setting up, 
starts chucking it down, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And we have to put the tarp over the ring to cover the canvas and everything. And then it gets time to start the show. Rain clears. Rain yeah. cleared up. And then we had the first half of the show. And then what happened at the interval? Started pissing it down. Started pissing it down. Tarp back over. Waited through the interval. Interval ended. Rain cleared up again. Yeah. I am more convinced than ever that God loves deathmatch. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be. Must be. Has to be. Yep. <laughs> I'll take that all day long. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a very faint drizzle. Clint actually called it when he he, he said, said, I bet any money it'll start raining during Man and Tomby's match. And it was yeah. just a light drizzle. Yeah, he got a drizzle. Him and Tomby got a drizzle. But that was it, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Ridiculous. How do we keep getting away with this? <laughs> Fuck knows. Well, but we'll keep going until something else happens. <laughs> oh, I'm waiting for snow next. Snow yeah. match. Snow match. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> How do you feel about it? How do you feel about <laughs> reference snow match, dude? I, I mean, you know, as as good as I do about getting heat stroke. <laughs> oh yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> so, what actually like got you into wrestling, like? Just in general, um, yeah, yeah. As a fan, as a fan, Uh, and then as actually getting getting it all going. Well, so as a kid, I think I I can remember when I really first got into wrestling because it was always kind of a thing that you know I was that I was aware of, but I didn't really watch that much. Like I'd sometimes see it on telly and stuff like that, and it was just like a fun thing that was on telly sometimes. And then I remember my uh, one of my stepbrothers had this VHS, had this video, and he was like, oh, let's watch this. And we watched it, and it was Royal Rumble 98. Oh, nice. Royal Rumble 98. And uh, I remember it was the it was the street fight with Cactus Jack and Triple H. Oh, that was 2000. Was it 2000? Yeah, yeah. What was Royal Rumble 98? Rumble 98 was Austin won it. You had Taker and Sean in the casket match as well. Oh, maybe it was 2000 then. Royal Rumble yeah. 2000, right? So, yeah, actually, that makes sense because I remember what house I was in. So I remember <laughs> it was Royal Rumble 2000. There was the um, street fight with Cactus Jack and Triple H and there was Mae Young's boobs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and obviously the Rumble, which is like, I think I think it was like the perfect show for someone to discover wrestling yeah. because... You've got all of the things that even if you didn't like wrestling, you would still watch, uh, like the hardcore matches and the Royal Rumble is always something that people would like. People who don't watch wrestling watch the Royal Rumble because it's just so much fun. So it was just like, I feel like that that pay-per-view was like the perfect entrance into like WWE. And um, I think from then on, like I started getting all the games, like I started playing like Warzone and then Attitude and stuff like that. Uh, on the PS1. Yeah. And uh, and then that was it, really. I was just into wrestling from then on. Yeah, because, I mean, that would have been like the cha- the start of the Channel 4 era as well, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, get, like, yeah. Sun- Sunday Night Heat on. and Yeah, because I think they had, like, it was when it was always, like, I think it was always, like, Val Venus versus Gangrel was always on Sunday Night Heat. Yeah, <laughs> they always pretty much. Have, like, those two guys wrestling. And uh, it was just ludicrous. And I remember... As a kid, not understanding what Val Venus was supposed to be, like I didn't get it. I didn't get it. I was like, okay, so he's supposed to be like this sexy man who's like all the women are into, but why does he wear a towel? And like, I didn't get it. I didn't get what he was supposed to be at all. 
And yeah, I probably should have been watching that. That between that and like May Young's tits, I really should have been watching that. I think because he aired at like four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, like after like T four and stuff like that on Channel Four. Yeah. So obviously they had to cut like all of Alvinus's sexy promos and everything like that, which probably (laughs) didn't help matters for you. And then suddenly at like ten to one in the morning, so they could actually no, I remember the first one went out with a five minute delay, so they could put in ads, the Rumble. Yeah, um, which was confusing in itself. Like, why are the ad breaks on a live broadcast? Yeah, um, but then the May Young incident is what made them. No, yes, yes, the May no, because the first one they had was Armageddon '99, I think. Yeah, and then because of the Miss Kitty incident. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what made them bump the bump it to not so live because they started airing it at like half one instead, so they could put in ads and edit as well like well, edit in the moment well the thing the thing is i don't get because i remember watching that royal rumble and then when may young got her boobs out they put a big x on the screen like yeah. that but it was just an x so you could just still see everything yeah like, what's the point just just turn away just turn away <laughs> well so that's actually there on the actual original american broadcast the big red x right and apparently that was them having a jab at channel four Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, excellent! It was so, all Channel Four's fault. So I've heard. I don't know. I can't cor- corroborate that story. That's very much kind of playground rumor and hearsay. But you know. <laughs> so then what? Well, so they're what... not going to want to own up to that, really, are they? <laughs> no, they won't. No. <laughs> I mean, is there any wrestling on Channel Four still? No. Is there? Okay. A, is there a Channel Four still? Do we still have like terrestrial telly? I don't even know. <laughs> Who knows, mate? I mean, yeah. all the airs on ITV4, so, you know. Yeah, well, there you go. There's there's your terrestrial wrestling. <laughs> Close enough. So then what yeah. then What then was the kind of... Because I've never actually sat down and asked you guys this, this question, you and Matt. Like, what actually made you kind of go, let's start the company? So what happened for me personally was... So I was doing a podcast with Malachi... For a, for a while and we were doing all right with that for a bit but it kind of came to uh it kind of came to an end we kind of didn't feel like doing it anymore and on the side I'd also been writing like film reviews and stuff like that mm-hmm. like I've been I've been like on and off I've sort of been like work doing a bit of like freelance writing on the side for a while and then there was a magazine that popped up in the states that were looking for writers and it was called Deathmatch, a love letter. So it was a magazine that was dedicated to deathmatch wrestling, but also horror films and like metal music. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they were looking for writers to do uh, film reviews and like, and, and talk about wrestling and stuff like that. And I was already doing like film reviews. So I just got in touch with them and said, well, if you need anyone to do like, some horror horror reviews for you then i'm your guy definitely and they got back in touch and they asked me to do an interview for them with a uh, a writer uh, not a writer sorry a director uh, from ireland because i'm over here in the uk they were like okay you're gonna be on the same uh, same time zone as him like could you get on get on skype with him and do an interview so i did and i did like a short review of the film and i did that and they were like oh also do you know anyone who works at rise and that's Malachi. He's, he worked there for a while. And I was like, yeah, sure I do. And they were like, we're, we're looking for someone to write a, uh, a profile on them. 
So I did that and like uh, I got in touch. I spoke to like Joe and Danny O'Doherty and everyone and I like, interviewed them and and like uh, and Michael Caden as well. And like I wrote a whole profile on and put them in the magazine and that was fine. And I don't know, I kind of dipped my toe into Deathmatch a bit. I mean, I'd already been watching it because it was sort of it was sort of becoming like the hot thing. Mm. So being being like a long term wrestling fan, it was already there on my radar. But then me and Malachi, we were going to then start doing indie horror screenings in Derby where we just get an independent horror film or two independent horror films. And we do a screening and people would come and see them. Lockdown happened dead. <laughs> it just died on its own. It never happened. And this time working with Rise, I think Malachi really fell in love with Deathmatch. Like he really wanted, like he loved it. So he just he just just came over with the idea to me. He was like, "Why don't we just start putting it on in Derby?" And I was like, "Well, this thing just died, so yeah, let's <laughs> let's give that a shot instead." Because because um, the time was really right to to get on the uh, to get on the bandwagon, as it was, of deathmatch wrestling. Like it was really coming up in a big way. I think, especially over in the states, I think deathmatch was one of the key elements of keeping the indie scene alive during that time. When no one else is putting on shows, you had all these like really small, really DIY deathmatch shows that were still going on. And we really loved the whole vibe around them and everything. So it just really fit with just the kind of the kind of vibe that we have anyway, the kind of stuff we like. So yeah, so that was it. That's how it started. Easy as that. <laughs> cause yeah, because I mean again at that time, like like that was when like GCW were running out of Janelle's backyard and stuff, wasn't it? Like yeah exactly yeah and uh, we were watching a lot of like uh we were watching like new fear city and stuff like that mm. which, we, which we we thought was all we were watching um no peace underground and we thought that was fucking wicked and like yeah we just we saw yeah we, we need to get in on this <laughs> yeah no definitely man and i mean look where we are like we're selling out shows and shit like that you know it's nuts it's nuts like what i mean i can sit here and blow smoke up your up, up your ass for an hour but you know <laughs> about it all but <laughs> that's not what we're here for so, hey man, well i mean it was it was all of us wasn't it i mean you were there from the beginning so you know we've all been we've all been at it on this thing and uh i think we've reached the tipping point now where it's you, you know we've got the fan base and now it's just uh we, we, I, I don't know we're almost dare i say it at the point of expanding yeah and i mean like the fact that as well because it is the fact we're running it out of a beer garden it feels diy you know what i mean it's like and, and this isn't a knock on tnt or anything like that it's like you know it's clearly a couple of guys in a small you know kind of again it's got the, the kind of punk rock feel of it all you know so it, it draws a different kind of crowd almost yeah i mean that's kind of the thing though i feel like when you've got a promotion like say um tnt or rise like those like that's that's i mean you don't want to compete with them because they are great shows and like mm-hmm. like absolutely excellent but um but yeah having your own thing and your own identity is definitely definitely a bonus for us because that's what kind of sets us apart because i'd never want to compete with those shows because they yeah. just they're brilliant but also like as a, a bit of a testament to those guys as well both of those promotions have been really up for like helping us along and like collaborating with us and stuff and, and like you know there's a there's a really like i feel like it is part of like you mentioned like the uh, mentioned like a punk scene earlier and it is kind of like that where 
people are more interested in kind of growing the scene than they are just just making money, if you know what yeah. I mean. I mean, we all want to make money, but but people yeah. are more interested in kind of growing their scene and growing this thing that they love doing. Definitely. And the only way you're going to do that is by collaborating and stuff like that. And you know, Yeah, you've got to work together, especially on a niche scene like this. You know, it's niche wrestling. It's a niche within a niche. Mm-hmm. You Like most people who are doing it are just doing it for the love of it. Like yeah. I, I, I dare say everyone who's doing it is doing it just for the love of it. So, yeah, if you're not in it to just make that scene grow, then why why bother? 100% absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly. So, I mean, just to keep this rolling along. Uh, so what is your most favorite ridiculous thing in all of pro wrestling? Supernatural wrestlers. <laughs> if yes. you're a wrestler and you've got magical powers, I'm in. I fucking love it. I love it. Like if you if you are if you are a magical wrestler, I love it. If you're a, a ghost, a zombie, a, a wizard, whatever, I think that's the the best. I love it. It's it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So, <laughs> so Papa Shango is right up your street then. Papa Shango, Boogeyman, like the Undertaker, like when he was feuding with Kane and they were throwing lightning bolts at each other. That was the height of television for me. That was the absolute height of television. They were throwing lightning bolts to a wrestling show. <laughs> it's the best. It's, fucking, mm-hmm. it's, it's just the fucking best. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, I know we said we're like, you know, we've got, we're all like punk and DIY and stuff, but that's only because I can't afford lightning bolts. <laughs> <laughs> it's only because I can't afford to have like a lightning bolt fight at my show. That, that's the tagline of the show. <laughs> it's only because I can't afford lightning bolts. Exactly. I might just, I might just record a show and just put some in post. So it's like... <laughs> Just have Darko throwing lightning bolts out of his hands like this, mate. He'd fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, but you've all you've all got to sell it in the ring, though. So you've got to be ducking about, Steve, like <laughs> like lightning bolts flying around. Oh god, <laughs> fucking hell! Just reminds me when fucking did you ever see Ethan Page's green screen match that he had with himself? Oh yeah, when he was the Karate Man. <laughs> literally record this whole fucking match in a green screen just made me oh my god yes let's do that let's do fucking green screen wrestling (laughs) i mean like why not like you you gotta i don't know like i really like i'm i'm a really big fan of of like that kind of wrestling as as like i don't know as combat sport you know Mm -hmm. my favorite kind of wrestlers they're all like i i love like the martial arts guys i love the guys who like who were who were just wrestling you know but I just when I see something absolutely ridiculous happen, I just I just love it. Mm. I just do you remember when like like do you remember when like Bray Wyatt beat up like the Undertaker and Kane and he merged all their powers and they started turning the lights on and off? I was so excited about that. I thought that was gonna be the best thing to ever happen in wrestling, and then they just stopped it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was so disappointed. <laughs> oh man. Well, we I might it was get going to be like their their Shao Kahn or something. <laughs> we might get a resolution to Bray Wyatt one day, but you know, we we, li- we live in. <laughs> we'll see. So, I mean, I think we've almost kind of halfway covered this anyway. But what's the most ridiculous thing that you've ever been a part of? It's got to be that first show that we ever did. I mean, obviously you were there, but mm-hmm. <laughs> so we um, so we did the first show. And we did it at Pop World. 
So I think there's a there's a pop world in pretty much every town. So I think most people know, but it's but for those that don't, the pop world is like a student club that just has retro pop theme nights, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I think do you know. Do you know what? Going back to going back to Bray Wyatt, he had that pin. He had that match, didn't he? He had that that uh, that dark light match, didn't he? Yeah. What was it called? It was the year. Mountain Dew match. Yeah. 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 And uh, I remember. I was on Twitter and I saw, um, what was his name? Adam Blompier. Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, it's like they've filmed a fight in a pop world. And I was just like, <laughs> Funny you should say who that. would do a thing like that? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so right from the get-go, this whole thing was ridiculous because we went to this pop world and um, we met like the the guy who, who runs, like who owns the place. And um, it was me and Malachi sat and we were just like, so we want to book a wrestling match at your venue. And he was like, that's fine. He's like, the only thing is, it's going to be no ring. So everyone's going to be right there next to the wrestlers whilst they're wrestling. And he went, yeah, that's fine. And uh, we went, also, they're going to be hitting each other with glass light tubes there in front of the people. And he went, yeah, sounds good. And we went, and we kind of looked at each other. And we went, I'm going to go outside. We're going to go outside. We're going to stop traffic and have them fight there. And he went, yeah. And we went, going to have someone jump off the building. Someone is going to jump off the building onto another person. And he went, do you have liability insurance? And I went, yeah. And he went, cool. Yeah, do whatever. And then he just left and gave us over to like his, his bar manager. And then we took like months setting this all up and we got like wrestlers involved and like we got a band to play. And then like the day came round and we got there and we'd sold out. I think we'd sold out that show. And um, so First match started, and we had um, Johnny Concrete. <laughs> we had Johnny Concrete, who, by the way, and he's un- he's undefeated in Kumite. No one's ever beat Johnny Concrete. True story. And uh, and then we had uh, and then we had him fight. Um, well, uh, what did we call him? Flex Buffington. It was it yeah, was but, con- yeah, but he was he was Steve Blackman though. Well, he did like a Steve Blackman gimmick where we had him come out to Steve Blackman's music. Oh God! And he was called like Steve Buffington or something like that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he came. He like so we had them them have like just they, we had them have a comedy match in this just in the middle of a pop world. And I remember Flex Buffington was hitting Johnny Concrete with giant inflatable dick. Of course, in front of like a sellout crowd, and they were loving it as well. Everyone was shit faced, and like, <laughs> and then we had and then we had the band on. Mm-hmm. And I think the band had sound issues as well. Yeah, I mean they were fucking, they were brilliant. Bone Cult, they were called. And they were a really good band, but they had sound issues. I think, I think they had a problem with the. Um, I think one of them had to go and plug in his bass uh, whilst whilst he was doing the set. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that. And they had like a preloaded backing track, so he had to literally jump off stage and run and plug it in and run back before his cue started again, which is brilliant. And it was it. <laughs> it looked really fucking cool as well. And then it was, and then that was it. it was the main event, which was a three-way between Big Fucking Joe, Danny Darko, and Alton Thorne. And Joe wasn't here yet because he was having a death match already in Liverpool for TNT. So he he comes to so he comes to he comes to Derby. He can't find the place, so he parks in the wrong place and has to walk through Derby City Centre on match day. So there's loads of people around in town for the football and he's walking through town covered in blood with a machete 
because it was it was I think it was right after New Jack died, so he was so he had like mm. a machete around his neck, and um, he comes walking through town asking people what the way to Pop World is whilst covered in blood, and we were like, go round go around the back, so then we can let you in the back and we can get you straight in the changing room. No, he just walked straight through the front with his bags just covered in blood, like hello, just fucking just shouting at the crowd already. And then that's it. He's in. He gets ready. They come out and they start fighting and shit starts kicking off. Like they're hitting each other with like kendo sticks and stuff. And that guy who owned the place, who was just nodding along to us, telling them all, all the stuff we were going to do, he turns up and he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And he watches the whole thing and he watches them smash glass over each other. Like there's there's a like awesome finish where everyone's getting slammed through shit. And uh, Joe Joe's cut his knee really badly. They, I think he already did. He already did at the TNT show, and then turned up with this horrible injury. And uh, and and the guy was, and that was it. They pushed us out the back door, and then just never called us again, and ignored all of our calls after that. Yeah. And the whole thing was just ludicrous. And I don't know. At the time, I kind of thought it was going to be a one-off. I didn't think that. I, I, I thought, you know what? We're not going to be able to do this. Because it's just too insane. And look at us now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's kind of we've managed to find a venue because I think the show after that was was even worse because mm. we were in a tiny little room and there was all the glass being thrown around and stuff. It was crazy. I think those first couple of shows were absolutely mental, and I don't think there was anything else like that around that time in the UK. Yeah, definitely. And uh, so the, the story I've got is obviously. We told Flex and Conk to stall because we were waiting for Joe. Yeah. And also we told Bone Cult to stall a little bit as well. Right. So there were clearly some people in that room who didn't know what they were watching. Right. Both from a wrestling and music standpoint. Yeah. Because there was this one lad who was there. It was off his fucking tits. He was in yeah. like a Hawaiian shirt and like kind of pastel colored shorts. Yeah, and I was kind of stood in that kind of bit where we use for like an entrance way, air quotes, to kind of make sure no one just kind of wandered to wherever where all the lads were. And uh, but you know, I'm watching Bone Call and I'm having a good time. And this lad wanders up to me and he goes, "Are these lads? Are these guys taking requests?" I was like, "No, mate, they're here to play their own music." It's like, "Yeah, but what I'm saying is, yeah, do you not want these people to go fucking nuts?" I was like. Well, everyone seems to be having a good time, mate. He's like, yeah, but do you think they could like play covers? It's like, no, they're here to play their own stuff, mate. Like, yeah, but if they played some fucking pigeon detectives, mate, this place would go fucking off its tits. And I'm like, no, that's not what they're here for. That's not what we've paid them for. They are here to play their own music. They're not going to play fucking pigeon detectives. But I don't, I don't think they would go fucking mental, though. I think you alone would go fucking mental. But, <laughs> but, mate. That's it. Oh, fucking hell. There were some absolutely fucking munted people. <laughs> <laughs> but oh my god, we had a good time. That's the main thing. We 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 survived it. And it, the other thing about the, the only thing that's ever really got in my craw about that first show was yeah. the fact that yeah, as you said, we were kicked out the back door as soon as they could. And I think Alison had left something inside. And like yeah. literally, because she was tending to Joe, she literally turned yeah. around to go back inside and they'd already shut the door and yeah. locked it. And we're like, what the fuck? But hey, we could, again, 
we could moan about pop world that's not again that's not what we're here for but <laughs> yeah the fact we got through that and I, if i remember right the finish to flex and conk as well was a ddt on uh a D, was conk DDTing flex's inflatable cock yeah <laughs> i think that was the finish if i remember right <laughs> but, Pure wrestling, pure wrestling. Pure wrestling. And that, and I mean, talking about Conk brings me nicely on to the next question. So, like, if there is such a thing as a guilty pleasure in wrestling or a wrestling comfort food, what's yours? Besides those two, wrestling comfort food. Do you know what? I've got two answers to this because I do have an actual wrestling comfort food, right? Because, as you know, at the Kumite, we do a barbecue, right? So we've got so we've got Sarah on the barbecue and she's and she's just there at the back um, serving people all through the show. And at a show is, you know, it's normally quite stressful for me. You know, I'm running around, uh, I'm watching the matches and just despairing at the stuff that they're doing <laughs> in the ring. And, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff to do. You know, obviously you're running a show and um, I get to the I get to the end of the day. And I'm just sat down at a table, just absolutely knackered and off my head on anxiety <laughs> and uh, just just going through like the last couple of bits that I've got to sort out paperwork kind of stuff. And then Sarah walks up like this and just puts a little chili dog down next Ooh. to me. And you know what? I eat it and it's the best thing I've ever eaten. Like it's just it's just perfect. It's just like, do you know what? Like, do you know when you have it and you're like, I didn't realize until right this second this is exactly what I needed. And it's fucking, it's just the best part of my day. <laughs> it's the best part of my day by miles. Like the last show, because we had a sellout show, they ate all the fucking barbecue and I didn't get that at the end of the show because we, we sold out. So I didn't even get that at the last show. That's the taste of success. Me not getting my fucking wrestling comfort food, you know, Go back to the go back to the pop world days where I can have a chili dog in peace. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I would say so. There's one match that I that I will always watch, and I'm always just like, this is this is my favorite match ever, and I just love watching it. And it is just exactly exactly what what I want personally from wrestling. It's just exactly when I think of wrestling, I think this this is what I want whenever I watch wrestling, and it is. Uh, Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka, One Night Stand 2005. That's the one. It's delicious. Uh, it's insane. It's just pure, just pure beef. <laughs> it's it's just pure beef. It's insane. It's like it's they they were wrestling like it was well the last thing that they'd ever do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was the last thing Mike did. I think no, he wrestled the next year. Didn't no, did he wrestle the next year? Tanaka did, but he had balls Mahoney. Tanaka, Tanaka's still wrestling now. Which is insane to me. Yeah. <laughs> Tanaka's still wrestling now. I think Mike um, killed himself maybe two years later, I think it was. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which is obviously a sad side note to that. But I don't know. It's just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, maybe that's, maybe he did see it as his last big fucking match, you know? I think because because uh, even on that first one night stand there was talk about bringing ECW back as a thing. So maybe he kind of because he just he not long been let go from the company before that first one. So maybe he saw his his way back in. So that's why those two went fucking hell for leather. Mm. But like because nothing came of it. Yeah, you know? I don't know. Maybe 
I don't know. I mean, I couldn't speculate on. No, what and I wouldn't want to. But um, but yeah, it's it's my favorite match, hands down. It's yeah. the absolute favorite match, and it it goes into how we book Kumite as well, because I always want at least one match that is just an absolute beef fest like that. Like I always try and book at least one, which is going to be you know just two big athletic dudes just going and um like we did that the last show too we had franco fate versus lou nixon yeah what a banger what a fucking banger (laughs) yeah absolutely tremendous i mean i i i'll go on air and say i mean i've said it to his face i've said it on twitter i've said it everywhere and i'll go on air and fucking say it franco fate i think is fucking is just a horse He's a real deal, isn't he? <laughs> He's fucking tremendous, and I, and I love watching him work. Oh, mate, he hit he hit a he hit a regal plex in this match. He did, and I was like, "You can come back. You <laughs> <laughs> can come back." Amazing. But there you go. At least one every kumite. I like to I like to at least try. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it was kind of half. It was a halfway point. Obviously, you've had Kingsley and Thorn. You've had like who did you have Rock against? It was just a big meat match. Oh, Wesker. Rourke fought. Uh, well, um, the, Rourke had, oh, was, was a tag in a match. match. Yeah, against uh, Wesker and Lucia Lee, who was teamed up with um, Joe Cardinal. Um, Rourke also had a singles match against David Grant. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, we always try and do it. Got to do it. Got to do it. Yeah. Awesome. Right. So we're going to take a trip now to Room 101. Okay. You have the ability now to cast something into the forbidden zone and also to preserve something so what are you casting into the fires of wrestling's mount doom the, this summit comes straight to mind and it seems really it seems really obvious to me but i've, I've no doubt that anyone I, I think most people will agree with me on my one but so like as a fact so this is like as a wrestling fan more than it is as anything else but if there's if there's one conversation I just really don't like talking about, it's when people bring up things like ratings. Like, I don't give a fuck what kind of ratings a TV show has. Like, did you like it or not? <laughs> I mean, I know why I know why people talk like that about it, because it's like this remnant of the Monday Night Wars where they were talking about TV ratings, but TV ratings aren't even relevant anymore. It's not the way we consume consume content anymore it doesn't work like that so it's not even that relevant but like but i think i think it's it's just part of a general thing where you've got some people who i don't feel like i feel like wrestling fandom now is is like you've got people who will just enjoy it as it is like they will any show where they'll just watch a film or a tv show and they'll go i really like that that did all the things i liked that was good uh, or there's other people who will argue about like st- stuff that doesn't really like involve the product that's presented to them, like TV ratings. Like I don't give a shit. Like, do you watch something that do you like? Do you ever watch something and go, I can't wait to find out how popular this was, so I can know whether or not I liked it? Yeah. <laughs> it just seems ridiculous. Like, and and it's all started from when I was like when I was a teenager and I started going out in town and stuff. And like, I had a couple of wrestling T-shirts. I had a couple of Chris Jericho T-shirts and Edge T-shirts because I always liked the bad guy. And um, I used to I used to go out like with my wrestling T-shirt on, and I'd just be out in the club 
doing like doing doing the business, taking care of business, as the king said. <laughs> and uh, and there'd always be like some guy who would just st- like see my T-shirt and they'd start just going, oh, yeah, I see Jericho's back on Raw, but like they're just burying him at the moment because like they're just getting like they're handing the shovel to John Cena. I'm like, I don't care, man. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, I just, I just didn't care about that kind of stuff. Like, as a fan, like, I'm the same with films. Like, I, I always try and just consume a, a film as it's meant to be, which is, which is how I think you should appreciate stuff. And I know wrestling is different. I mean, you can't really compare wrestling to any other kind of media because it's got a tiny bit of everything. Um, so it's just sort of everything. And, and, and the thing is what I think feel like these people don't realize as well is that because they're like closer to the inner workings of, of wrestling, the inner workings of wrestling is kind of taken a step further back from them. So they're watching all these shoot interviews and stuff like that. And they're going, Oh, did you hear what so-and-so is it's like, they know that you're doing this. So how, how do you think they're going to react to that? Like they're gonna just make more fucking works for you to to get drawn in, mm-hmm. and it's just like just enjoy wrestling, man. Just enjoy it. Yeah, I can't remember who said it, but someone was kind of speculating that being real was the new kayfabe. Yeah, kind of thing because then you could if if you if you put out the persona that you're being real and you're talking all this shit about. Kofi Kingston. I don't know why Kofi was the first name that came in my head. But like, you know, if someone starts badmouthing Kofi Kingston, immediately everyone's gonna go, Holy shit, did you hear what Dirty Dar said about fucking Kofi? Like, it's like he's probably not even like there's probably nothing there. You are probably reading far too much into this. And I mean, yeah. as far as like TV ranks, again, like like you said, it's a remnant, it's a hold over the fucking Monday Night Wars, but like there's n- the only time that it will ever matter is when suddenly the USA Network or whoever's got Raw, or like, you know, the Sky Sports, for instance, kind of go, oh, it's not doing numbers anymore. We're going to put, we're going to option it out kind of thing. Like, and then BT got it and actually once, and notice the difference, BT actually started promoting the fact that they had WWE on their channel and suddenly it's doing all right over here, like all of a sudden, like TV-wise and things like that, and which just shows the difference. It shows how much you, what value you put into what you do. Like, you know, USA Network will put three superstars all over their programming to let you know that it's there. And if suddenly their numbers, like, and TV stations get that viewing habits have changed now. Like, you know, people will, you know, digitally record and you know catch up and things like that or they'll just stream it at a later time or you know that's more convenient to them the the age of right we have to sit down in front of the tv at eight o'clock sharp is gone but unless it's like some big fucking like astronomical event like the you know the the urgency to sit in front of the tv is gone like because there's that much content out there just in your pocket let alone actually on the tv people will watch wrestling through clips on twitter Mm -hmm. like they they will literally keep up with all of their favorite shows by just going on twitter and just watching the highlights yeah and that's just it like i watch raw through the through the youtube highlights that that dory put up and if something looks good then i'll seek out the match like for mm-hmm. instance, Champa and to date the to date the episode, Champa and Bronson Reed 
this week on Raw had a fucking banger. And I gleaned that from the highlights. So I was like, right, I'm going to actually sit and watch the full match. And it was a fucking brilliant match, in my opinion. It was what I wanted, it, you know, from those two guys. It was the exact match I expect. Yeah, when I see those names on, on paper, I'm going to go, right, this is going to be a certain type of match in my head canon anyway. And it yeah, was yeah. exact, and it was exactly that. And I was happy for that. You know, <laughs> if I see, oh, these two guys are going to have a big promo segment. Okay, cool. I'll watch that. Like, you know, there's a reason that, and I mean, like, you know, if, if we're going to talk viewing figures, there's a reason that SmackDown has the biggest viewing figures at the moment. And that's because, uh, yeah, biggest it's ever been. That's because that's where Roman Reigns is with the most intriguing storyline in years, you know? And it's, yeah. it's like, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, why is it successful? Like, what do you like about it? Like that's that's the question. Like it's uh, I don't know. I think it's because I spend a bit too much time online. Yeah, and because <laughs> like listening to people moan about ratings and moan about AW and WWE is oh god, who cares? Yeah, like the, <laughs> the only time any network is get, the only time anyone should be concerned about viewing figures is when the network suddenly turns around and says we're not going to air this show anymore. Yeah, and then that's when you need to start looking and going, oh, it's only because x amount of people are watching or whatever so then you yeah. need to make the con you as the fan need to make the conscious decision of well maybe i should get behind it a bit more because i actually enjoy that program but because i watch it three days later on catch-up or whatever maybe i should make an effort to watch it live yeah but i mean you just just vote with your feet you know exactly if you like a show then you tune in and watch it if you don't and if you're not happy with it you're not happy with the way that show's going and you move somewhere else like if if you don't like because wrestling at the moment there's every kind of wrestling it's everywhere you can watch any kind like if you think wwe isn't as good as it used to be then you can literally go somewhere else and find wwe like it used to be you can find the type of wrestling you want if you just go and have a look for it like it's out there yeah like i mean to, to kind of use kumite as an example like iwtv there's so much shit to watch on iwtv exactly. it's insane you can watch yeah. everything from comedy wrestling to deathmatch. You've got it all there. Yeah, yeah. There's all it's it's super varied. Like there's two like I'm almost bombarded <laughs> with the amount of stuff that's on there. So yeah, for sure, for sure, it's definitely worth doing. And if you do sign up to it, just make sure you put in Kumite in the uh, in the code so you give us a kickback. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, mean that's I, that's the thing. I'm almost done ranting about this. I'm really no, sorry. It, it, no, it's fine. It's fine. So yeah, and I completely agree with you. That shit's got to go. Like, who cares about TV ratings anymore? It doesn't matter as long yeah. as you as long as you're watching it somehow, somewhere. That's all, and you're talking about it. That's all they care about. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, watch it or don't. You know. <laughs> yeah. So what is the absolute thing in wrestling that you want to preserve for all eternity? <laughs> Okay. Yeah. I never expected this. I never expected No, no, no. I never expected this to come up in this category. So, okay. I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Okay. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it because do you know what? I love Kane. Well, I, I did at the time. Not so much now, but <laughs> but like you know, when I was a kid, I loved Kane. I thought he was wicked. Yeah, like I say, throwing thunderbolts and stuff. And do you know what? Katie Vick, like Kane went a bit shit for a bit. They made him like good guy Kane and he was talking about the Canaanites and stuff. And it's like, no, I want him to be a big, scary Jason Voorhees guy. But this isn't the Kane. This isn't the Kane. 
And then like Katie Vick happened, and that was such a pile of dog shit. That was such that was such an unsalvageable piece of shit that then they had to unmask Kane. And do you know what happened? They completely revitalized the character. And he was fucking wicked again. He set JR on fire. He fucking he fucking put a car battery to Shane's balls. He had that fucking um, last man standing match against him, which was excellent. Unforgiven 2003. Uh, and it was absolutely well. brilliant. It was one of the best matches I think Shane McMahon has ever had, at least. Well, even Kane, actually. Because if you think about it, like Kane didn't have that many really memorable matches. And that's definitely one of them. And do you know who we've got to thank for that? Katie Vick. Thank you, Katie Vick. Thank you. I bought the, I bought the book, you know. Did you ever see Journey into Darkness. Oh, my God. I read it. Do you know I what it centres around? Do you know what it centres around? Katie, Katie Vick. <laughs> I've listened to the Attitude Era podcasts three and a half, no, yeah, like four hour long breakdown of it. And it's... It's fucking horrifying. <laughs> It's horrifying. So, I mean, the Katie Vick angle, along with that book, I don't know if it ever did more harm than good to Kane, or if it, or if it did more good than harm, because it completely fucked with everything they'd ever said about his life. Yeah, <laughs> they had to wreck on everything, absolutely everything. But in a way, it also led to one of the greatest segments in WWE history with the anger management class with Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Where Kane actually listed all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, everything from electrocuting Shane's balls to Katie Vick to, hey, I pretended that I was locked away in a basement, but I was actually going to high school parties and shit like that. And like, and all this stuff. And so, yeah, like you said, they absolutely retconned everything, but it yeah. led, but all this, like, so yeah, I agree. Katie Vick, actually in a weird way did revitalize Kane's career because I think they realized they'd written him in such a fucking horrible corner. <laughs> that like, um, let's just make him a psycho again. Like that, that's fine. That works. Yeah. yeah and it, even the twist of, by the way, he was never actually scarred. It was all mental. It was mental. It's emotional scars. Like again, that it, it, uh, Fuck, Fletch. I can't believe you've actually spun me around on Katie Vick. <laughs> Could you imagine being in the writer's room for, like, the WWE, where they're like, okay, like, so so why doesn't he have a scarred face? And they're like, oh, I don't know, just you just work around it. Like, what? so he was at high school with Katie Vick. What happened to him, like, be, what happened to the other stuff that you said that happened? No, I don't know. This is, You're the writer. That's what would have happened. They would have gone, you're the writer. You figure it out. The thing is, I th I think the reason Katie Vick is badly remembered isn't even because of the conceit of Kane once went to a high school party and accidentally killed a person. It was... I can't even hear you say it. <laughs> with a straight face as well, by the way. I just said all that with a straight fucking face. I think the reason it's badly remembered is because of what happened the week after. What, you mean with Triple H? Yeah. I mean, I get a lot of people complained about it and they said it was in bad taste and all that stuff. I just thought it was crap. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was shit. That very much stank of Vince and Triple H's collective sense of humor coming together. Yeah. Or, or Triple H pitching something to Vince, thinking, if I say this, it will be so fucking stupid, he won't go for it. And he actually did. 
So I think that's Vince's weird. I mean, bear in mind, this was the same around the same time that JR had been fired again. Mm. They did the, the live broadcast from JR's colorectal surgery. Yeah. And well, I think that I think that's it, really. I think Vincent Mann has a well-documented, cruel sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, for him, like, I've, I've no doubt he like someone like that would find it funny. Yeah. I, I think someone once described it as like, like, it, you know, the five stages of grief and all that kind of thing. Mm. Vince, Vince was kind of going through that over the attitude era around that time. And he was like, um, let's do something really edgy that would have been that probably would have been really super over and really super cool in the attitude era. But we're four years on from that. And like, you know, Hey, let's have triple H dress up as Kane and do things to a mannequin. And with the joke being, I fucked your brains out. And let's also have, uh, let's also live quote unquote live broadcast JR's colorectal surgery. And the punchline is we pulled JR's head out of his ass. Lovely. What a lovely person. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I'd stand by it though. I stand by it. No, um, the the thing- life pain made Kane good again. Oof, don't like the way I phrased that. <laughs> Bit too Trumpy that. Um <laughs> I mean Glenn's done that to himself, but that, that's another story. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I I'm I'm really on the fence on this because I agree in theory. And and I and I think as far as the actual saving graces it did for Kane, I agree with you. <laughs> and I think it's actually Triple H and Vince that made it badly remembered when we, if we really delve into it. So, yeah. Yeah, but I, if it wasn't so bad... It wouldn't like, be remembered. The fact that it was so fucking bad is what made them fucking abandon this Kane and, and bring in cool Kane. Yeah, no, that's fair. It was the crash and burn that they that they needed to just make this character cool again. Fletch, I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this with my own two lips. I will preserve Katie Vick. Champion! Yes. Wow. Those words came out of my mouth. Holy shit. I knew I could do it. I knew I could do it. I knew I'd do it. I knew I had it in me. I knew, like, if I just, if I can, oh, yes, I did it. Well, I did it. On that bombshell, Fletch, we have to, <laughs> we're out of time. So please spend the next however long you need to plug absolutely everything and anything. Well, obviously we've spoken about it a bit now, but I'm just going to plug it one last time. I am uh, one of the bookmen for Kumite Combat Wrestling. We do shows in Derby. I don't know when this pod's going to go out, but our next one is in August 20th at Vines Bar in Derby. But also... All of our stuff goes up on IWTV, so get yourself a subscription there. Put Kumite into your uh, into your code so that we get a kickback off that if you want to support the show. And, uh, yeah, check us out. The socials, so we are official Kumite on Twitter and on, uh, on Instagram. We're also on Facebook, so you can hit us up on any of those if you have any questions about the show or if you want to get in touch with us to buy any merch. Uh, I know that Steve said that he was doing this as an audio, but he said he might be doing it as a video later. And if he does, I've got a load of stickers behind me on my background. You can buy those. So get in touch, buy the merch, watch the show. Enjoy. Beautiful. Fletch, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute fucking joy. 
Love it. Love it. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Once again, a massive thanks to Fletch for jumping on the chat with me. Now, next week, I'll be bringing you another episode, basically for the reason, as Fletch lined out there, is that the next Kumite show is coming up very, very soon, on August 20th, in fact. So, go to their social medias, be it Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, at Official Kumite. We've got Big F and Joe versus Antonio Gonzalez. And in your main event, Clint Margera versus the reigning and defending Death Wolf champion, Danny Darko. So you can follow the ticket links through the social medias or go to eventbrite.co.uk and search for KCW. You might have to change the location to Derby if you want your tickets. Do get them because, as Fletch said, they will sell out. Last time we only had a couple of tickets left for on the doors so don't miss out if it's something you're interested in and want to check out as for me apple amazon spotify pocket casts podcast addict which is the most convenient one for me so yeah if you're hearing my voice basically that's it we're we're everywhere <laughs> we're everywhere now so it just leaves me to say thank you so much for listening i will catch you next week for a very special essentially double bill episode of kumite specials i guess why not uh with malachi j matthews so until then everyone let's keep wrestling ridiculous thanks for listening to wrestling is ridiculous the show's logo is by luke burton find him on instagram at jailhouse designs x or at luke burton designs the show is produced recorded and directed by me steve find me on twitter instagram and threads at steve dean refs Until next time, folks. I grew up locked in a basement, suffering severe psychological and emotional scarring when my brother set my parents on fire. From there, I shifted around among a series of mental institutions until I was grown, at which point I buried my brother alive. Twice. Since then, I've set a couple of people on fire, and abducted various co-workers. Oh, and I uh, once electrocuted a man's testicles. Years ago, I had a girlfriend named Katie, but uh, let's just say that that didn't turn out so well. My real father is a guy named Paul Bearer, who I recently trapped in a meat locker. I've been married, divorced, broke up my ex-wife's wedding and tombstone the priest. And for reasons never quite explained, I have an unhealthy obsession with torturing Pete Rose.